Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. A great blessing I always have to come to Perth to preach. I came to Australia, I was telling the leaders in 1977, the first time my wife and I, we spent three weeks which is very unusual, but we preached in Albany, we preached in Vic Park, we preached in Catani, uh, we preached in uh, Morley, and uh, God really, really uh, put in our heart a burden for Australia. Uh, 1978, we sent a worker into Pioneer, and uh, this church is a result of that initial exp- uh, uh, expression. Uh, we gave the first $10,000 to plant the Geraldton Church from Prescott, and God has wonderfully ministered in Australia. Can you say amen? amen. And my joy is seeing many of you that I, were, that I became acquainted with uh, when we were pastoring here and seeing you still uh, here. That's a great blessing. Can you say amen? Uh, looking over, Damien over here, he... In heaven's gates and hell's flames, he was the best demon that we ever saw. (laughs) So God is good, and uh, we're enjoying uh, ministering, uh, rejoicing in the goodness of God. I see we have some visitors here for the uh, conference. You come in uh, here already. Uh, Ms. Avis DeMay told me that the sons are here. And it's going to cost me money because I promised them if they'd lose weight, I'd bring them to the Prescott Conference. <laughs> and she says they're here to collect. So <laughs> uh, I'd probably shorten your, uh, I mean, extend your life uh, because uh, uh, weight challenged people don't live to their full length. So look at me. Want an example? Why, stay thin. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The aim of every believer is to uh, be able to uh, propagate the faith that has set them free and washed their sins. This is a uh, challenge to propagate or communicate the gospel in such a manner that others will be persuaded and they will follow in that pathway. And this is not automatic. There are certain dynamics. There are uh, timeless elements that are crucial and essential to communicating the gospel. And I want to preach this morning about the art of persuasion. First Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined 
not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the princes of this age that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the w hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages uh, unto our glory, which none of the princes of this age knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them, uh, them to us by his spirit. Uh, for the spirit searcheth all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man uh, which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words uh, which man's wisdom teaches, uh, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, uh, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I'm preaching on the art of persuasion this morning. I uh, come to my mind as I was coming up here, you've ruined my act when I was here in 09, my favorite act was to jump up on the stage, but you put a, st a step there. Now, nothing spectacular about it at all. They said, wow, look at that guy. He's 80 years old and he's jumping up on the stage. Said, I encourage some of you folk who already think life is over at age 40. So you're just getting started. You can't hit your butt with both hands until you're 40 years old. Remember that. When pride is to begin to pimp, pick you up and you think that you know everything. So let's look at this for a moment because there's a book been written entitled uh, To the Ends of the Earth. It's a history of the Pentecostal movement. It talks about the uh, uh, Azusa Street Revival. I think it began in uh, 1902, 1904, 1906. Uh, and uh, this, uh, this book outlines that uh, and then begins to explain what transpired because actually book is how Pentecostalism changed the shape of world Christianity. How many of you know what Pentecost is? Three of you. That's very encouraging to me. Every Prescott conference, I begin to remind them, we are a Pentecostal movement. We're not charismatic. We're not any of the things that they say. We are a Pentecostal movement and you must contend for that. And if you do not contend for that, then you lose it. Like the other organizations have lost it. Nazarene, Church of God, uh, uh, Anderson, Indiana, Christian Missionary Line. All of these began as Pentecostals. Uh, but they've lost that uh, wonderful dynamic uh, and turned aside. The assemblies are struggling over that right now. The four squares lost that long ago. 
And so let's think about this for a moment because what we're dealing with, that tremendous dimension that spread the gospel around the world was a spontaneous movement of the Holy Ghost out of basically Azusa Street, California, but in some other places. And spontaneously and demonstrably, the gospel was spread all over the world, not by human wisdom, but by a move of the Spirit of God. And uh, this broke out uh, largely in Azusa Street, California. And uh, it was a uh, non-professional black man who was blind in one eye that preached with a a cardboard box over his head. Now, I might be able to run out the door if I appeared with a cardboard box this morning. But it was a genuine move of God. Dynamic miracles were happening that were unexplainable in human wisdom. And people came from all over the world to Azusa Street to receive that. They went back out, witnessed that. And that's what this book is all about. So what we're talking about in communication is a supernatural dimension a demonstration of God's uh, Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5 says, My speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is the history of our fellowship. Our fellowship broke out in Prescott, Arizona in 1970. And uh, it's a spontaneous move of God. I didn't start it. God uh, started the Jesus People Movement. How many of you could say that you're out of the Jesus People Movement? Let me see your hands. Nobody? You folks are very timid. Uh, you know, you, you think there's a trick I'm going to have on you. I'm not asking you to perform. I'm just asking a question. More and more... When I travel and preach, I ask that question, and fewer and fewer and fewer can relate their beginning in the gospel of Christ to the Jesus People Movement. This church began out of the Jesus People Movement. And so as we begin to look at that, this is the history of our church. We have a long history, a small, uh, unattractive church in Prescott, Arizona that was on the wrong side of the tracks. I, and my family came to it in 1970. It wasn't any fantastic demonstration of God that came in. I was sick and tired of the uh, religious world, the organization we were in. I saw the politics. I saw the hypocrisy. Uh, I just wanted a place to come and preach and let, raise my family and have a place to preach in. But God uh, was breaking out in the Jesus People Movement. We tied on to that uh, And as a result of that, God gloriously spread us to 2,400 churches in some 48 years and 110 nations of the world. Only can be explained by God. Think about this. An unattractive church on the wrong side of the track. The whole building only held 72 people chock full. And we're on the wrong side of the tracks, but God moved in. And there are several dimensions that uh, were very, very interesting. Our big break came when three of our young people went to the Yavapai County Fair, stood up on a table and began to preach the gospel. This is Ron Jones, uh, uh, Janet uh, Foley, 
uh, was Payson then, and Norm Kennedy, who wandered off somewhere in a religious world. So they began to preach. Since they began to preach, they got arrested. And I'm not recommending that you go out this morning and get arrested. So it may not turn out well for you. But it was God. And on the front page of our newspaper locally, here's all three of their pictures. Uh, here's these hardened criminals preaching the gospel. Uh, and uh, that was publicized everywhere. And it went out. So what happened was... Uh, uh, drug addicts and hippies in the town of Prescott Area and say, hey, here's a church that uh, is in rebellion against our generation, and this is what the hippie movement was all about. So they said, let's go to that church and see what it's all about. So here they came, and uh, God powerfully moved in that, uh, and uh, uh, he attracted hippies uh, and drug users uh, and uh, an anti-establishment spirit they all had. They came because they thought we were anti-establishment, which to some degree we were. The pastor was an unattractive uh, hick who wore a, a green suit with pink socks. <laughs> they thought that was the coolest thing ever. So, <laughs> so Let's ponder this because this is the most unlikely place in the world that God would ever start a movement. But that's exactly what happened. And as he did that, he attracted pot-smoking musicians and we were off and running. So let's think about communication now as we ponder that because it's essential that we speak the language of the streets. In this book, uh, To the Ends of the Earth, it makes that specific statement that out of Azusa Street, uh, there were workers that were inspired by the Holy Spirit experience, began to spread all over the world. And the unique part about, part about them, they spoke the language of the streets. Mark that down. Because it was not theologians that brought to pass the Azusa Street revival. It was God. And the theology that they preached... Uh, was a theology that was uh, uh, actually a doctrine that is spoken not in psychological or doctrine terms, but the language of the street. Something happens. I did go to Bible school. I did survive it. I don't encourage anybody to go. Uh, anybody that I know lately that's uh, headed off to get a doctorate has, have destroyed themselves. But while I was there, I began to understand that theology is not going to reach this generation because this generation doesn't speak theology. It, pre pre it speaks its own common language. And so interesting things happened to me there. Our movement, the Foursquare movement, was birthed out of divine healing. Amy Simple McPherson had a healing ministry and the uh, Foursquare Movement started out of that. By the time I got there, there the Divine Healing class, I remember uh, distinctly, I'm listening to it, and I saw an old uh, Foursquare member come by, reach his uh, head around, listening for a while, and, uh, uh, and uh, he spoke these words. He said, uh, we used to do that and preach it. We don't do that anymore. And he walked off down the street, and that's really true. I took a class that was uh, 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 pastor counseling, so we'd be able to counsel people. And so this guy is a Freudian uh, psychologist, and he's there. And 
I'm listening to this, and one day, uh, when he's in the midst of his explaining about psychological principles and Freudian, I lift my hand and I said, what about prayer? He said, well, prayer's okay, but these people need help. Are you listening to me? That's why I don't recommend Bible school, because they speak a different language, and that language generally does not reach the kind of people that we reach. We're after sinners. Every man that we send out and plant say, do not build this church on religious people. Why? Because they'll stay with you for a while, about six months, and then they'll rip off all your new converts and take them with them as they go. Several pastors had to learn that lesson the hard way. They didn't think that I knew what I'm talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. I've lived 88 years, and I know exactly what I'm talking about. Are you still listening to me? So let's think about this for a moment, because we're talking about communication of the gospel and uh, uh, the art of persuasion. So what we're dealing with, and I want to impress upon you, is a supernatural anointing. How many of you were in the, in the crusade last night? Now I'm going to give an altar call, okay. Why didn't you come? Well, you were busy doing other things, you know. Nothing there but just sinners and sick people. And so you had better things to do. This is why uh, that there's no revival. Is we do an event. Uh, and we're hoping that people will come. I preach crusades, numbers of places. And I'm s astonished to find out that the church that puts it on, uh, only about 30% or 35% back it. How many people in Perth uh, now? Anybody know? Million? You can speak. I'm, I'm asking a question. How many people? A million? What? Two million. So there's lots of people to work on in Perth. And they haven't all been reached, as this evident crowd shows us. Can you say amen? And so what a glorious opportunity, because it's not the wisdom of men that we proclaimed last night, but it's the gospel of Jesus Christ saying you can be healed and many people instantly and gloriously were healed last night and their lives are different today. So uh, I'm going to come again next year. I'm going to live that long. Okay. I hope you do. <laughs> and I'm expecting you to turn out for that crusade and other things that you do because you still have lots of people to get saved. So that came to pass by a supernatural anointing. Nobody knows more than I do that I did not do that, but God did that. So let's look at this for a moment because the Holy Spirit speaks through human being. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So I think I've already accomplished my uh, opportunity this morning. I've made a lot of you mad. So that's my job. I don't know if you do. So keep coming all week. I'll do a better job as the week goes on. These are days of prophetic essence. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, Paul says, preach the word. Be diligent in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. When I came here in, in 2009, uh, very soon after that, they had an outreach down in the mall, whatever they call it now. They used to call it the Hay Street Mall. 
And so uh, I was very, very impressed because there were probably 75 people from this congregation were there. All the council members came out. I said, well, praise God. Here's a place that God can move on. All the council members were there. They wanted to be present. I don't know if they still come, but if they don't, why, well, maybe they'll get jogged a little bit. And so begin to feel guilty and then we've accomplished our purpose. First Corinthians 2, 2 verse 10, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Hey there, Sermon Podcast listeners. This is Pastor Adam back with you again. Wanted to just take a second here to thank you once again for listening to this sermon podcast. We've had an explosive rate of growth and listenership for the past few weeks, and we hope that you appreciate these daily sermons to encourage you and help you. I just want to share a couple of ratings that we've gotten in the Apple Podcast application. Clint B. writes a five-star review. He said, I am so grateful for our fellowship. Thank you. This podcast, very helpful through the day. Uh, Bobby Sanford from North Carolina said, inspiring. Awesome to hear sermons that are encouraging and inspiring to the church. Uh, We could really use your help to add a couple more of these very helpful reviews. Uh, These do help us to get the word out about this podcast. I want you to know that we have a truly worldwide impact with this podcast from the United States to the UK, Australia, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, South Africa, Netherlands, Canada, Romania, Afghanistan, Namibia, Vietnam, Switzerland, Kenya, India, Russia, Hong Kong, Ghana, Uganda, Guam, Meritus, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Zambia, Japan, Jamaica, Malaysia, Israel, Ukraine. The list goes on and on of nations that are listening to these sermons. So we just want to say thank you for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you're sharing these when you hear a good one. And please, if you haven't done so already, make sure you leave a five-star rating and a review of what you like about this podcast. Thank you again for listening, and back to the rest of the sermon. Now, we live in an an era, in a generation, when uh, uh, there's a deluge of spirits, uh, or books rather, on prophecy. How many of you have ever heard of four, four blood moons? Don't read it, it's a waste of time. How many of you ever read Harbinger? Anybody here? Nobody's gonna confess. <laughs> well, you're wasting your time. And then uh, the latest one is uh, the Shatima, and that's the same guy they've discovered that if they will write books on prophecy, why uh, uh, Christians like a blind sow uh, eating a corn will wander into a bookstore and buy it. And they capitalize on fear. Much of it is so-called revelation, but it's not revelation at all. And one of the, one of the distinctions they're using is they mention something that this has to do with Jew, uh, Jewishness, uh, and that uh, it's generally written by a so-called rabbi. And the idea is that if you're Jewish and you're a rabbi, you must have superior revelation. And so if they put a Jewish element in it, then people come and buy that. But that's not true. It, it, it run for your life. 
So let's think about this for a moment because there are three important things that you need to know in the Bible help you. Three legs of scripture that you must get right. One is the Jew, one is the church, and one is the Gentile. All three of these are addressed in our Bible. They all have their distinctions. They all have their, uh, their uh, 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 time frame. And if you mix these, you're going to wind up in a bad place. Think about that. The Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God. We must get these dispensations separated. How many of you know that we're dispensations? Anybody know that we're dispensationalists this morning? We are dispensationalists. This means we believe that God works in history by dispensations. These are separated. And to understand the Bible, you must get those right. And we're living this morning in the dispensation of the church. This is not the dispensation where Jewish roots are where we ought to be going. We're the dispensation of the church what God is doing at the present time is taking out of the Gentiles a people for his name. People are rising up. We've even had some of our fellowship people that wandered astray. Said that we need to study and find out what our Jewish roots are. We need, to, uh, we need to study the Torah so that we know what to do. No, the Torah is Old Testament. Does anybody know that? Okay. So we're getting an education. This is the dispensation of the church. God is taking out of the Gentiles a, a people for his name, Acts chapter 14. So we want to think about the main thing this morning. I'm talking about uh, persuasion, the art of persuasion. To persuade people to the gospel of Christ is essential. You know what God's doing and what the gospel is. So the main thing is uh, there, and there's a constant diversion from the main thing. One of the things that are questioned today, what and where's Babylon? Crucial that you know what that is. What is the mark of the beast? Probably not a month goes by, but somebody gives me a newspaper article, they're going to put a chip in here, up there. And so uh, this is the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast. Uh, what is the mark of the beast? Not been revealed yet, but we'll find out when it comes around. So let's think about this for there. So uh, where's America in prophecy? How many of you know where America is in prophecy? Nobody. Okay. Because nobody knows. It's speculation. These are great questions that people spend their time on. When will the rapture be? You don't know, but you better be ready for it. Can you say Amen. Uh, the time and date of date setting is uh, goes in waves. Somebody will come up with this, say, I know when it's going to be. And so they get rich printing books for a while. So don't be diverted this morning because to communicate the gospel, you need to know what the gospel is. Uh, and you need to correctly interpret the dispensations you're in. And the Bible says... Uh, that what we're giving is the testimony of God. Verse 1 of our text. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declare unto you the testimony of God. Mark that down for a moment. Ephesians 1, verse 17. 
uh, gives us some uh, very interesting uh, statements. And it says this in Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So let's ponder this as we are moving for, uh, through this. The Bible uh, is God's self-revelation. I'm holding in my hand God's self-revelation in Jesus Christ. So let's ponder that for a moment as we move through this uh, because God has not left himself without witness. That witness is Jesus Christ and those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And he's not left the world without witness. One key phrase that you need to know and find out about is who is Abraham? Unless you know who Abraham is and you understand the covenant that God cut with Abraham, there are whole passages in New Testament you will never understand because it talks about inheriting. It talks about the, uh, the uh, heritage that we have that roots back to Abraham. And you can't understand the Bible unless you understand that the whole ball of wax hedges about revolves about Abraham and the and the covenant that he cut with God. And the focus of all rests in the revelation of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. So let's ponder this for a moment. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Preach the word. Be diligent in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own loss, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn them away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. That's correctly interpreted fiction. How many of you know that some of the most popular books today are fiction books? Anybody know that? I remember some years ago, a book was very popular. It was Frank Peretti. This present darkness, and I started to read it, and I'm reading this, and as I'm reading along, I said, this is not even history. This is not even true. This man's writing fiction. I don't write fiction. No, I read fiction. I live fiction as I counsel the people of God and listen to their stories. <laughs> so let's ponder this for a moment because uh, we need to note the whole dimension here. Jesus Christ is the main thing. I think I told uh, the, the leadership uh, when I was going to Bible school, my wife and I lived in a little apartment behind a, a large house. It was a two-story house and we lived on a little apartment. And uh, our neighbor was a retired Methodist preacher, real Christian. He 92 years old. And he found out that I was going to Bible school and he'd be out walking, exercising, trying to live at 92 years old. And when I'd go by, I'd say, young man, he'd point that long bony finger at me, preach Jesus. 
Okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to try to do, you know. What else would I preach? Well, through the years, I've found out there's a lot of things that are being preached that aren't Jesus at all. Can you say amen? One thing I know about your pastor here in Perth is uh, he understands uh, who Jesus Christ is. Uh, it's the only time that God became a man, revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, and Jesus Christ is God. So let's look at this for a moment as we're pondering this. Uh, as this old man, he knew the trend that was happening, uh, and he wanted to impress on me that if you anything that you preach, preach Jesus Christ, uh, because you will automatically fall into God's will and his purpose for this generation, uh, and uh, you'll be doing uh, the will of God. The Bible says he's the light of the world. You believe that? The Bible says he's the bread of life. The Bible says he's the water of life. The Bible says many, many other things uh, that we can easily understand uh, because he is the main thing about Christianity. And many places you'd go, you'd wonder where they believe that or not. He's the chief cornerstone. How many builders do we have here? Carpenters. Any builders? Four? What do you guys do for a living? <laughs> this is the generation they're building houses nonstop. So uh, if you're having trouble making a living, you might well switch occupation. So one of the things that happens that's very crucial that I want to end on is the chief cornerstone. When we were building the church on, uh, uh, on uh, Highway 89 that we're occupying at the moment, I went out while they were building that, and uh, I'm not a builder. I don't understand a lot of things about that. And so here's a guy on a machine. It is a motorized trowel. This uh, concrete floor had been poured, and he's up on this uh, machine. He's riding this, uh, and he has a laser that has a reference point over on one corner, and he's leveling that concrete uh, by that laser. When you are in the Bible and you, uh, you talk about the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, words about building, it uses a, a line, and uh, that line is what builders build. They build with laying blocks of stone in those days. And that's where it came, the chief cornerstone. If you did not have reference to that chief cornerstone, when you got through, just depending on your eye, your building would probably be cocked sideways. There's a mailbox as I go to my house. Every day I pass that, pass, pass by that. And whoever built that mailbox didn't use measurements. It's easy to see. This bugs me no end. I see that crooked mailbox and it's there. It's always been there. It's been there for 15 years. And it's cocked sideways because when they did that, they used no measurement that would level that. So here is what the chief cornerstone is. It's a reference point. If you're wrong there, you're going to be wrong on your entire building. It's going to be visible and it's going to be a reproach. So let's come back now to the word of God. God is very careful to lay in the scripture the way. Matter of fact, they begin to call Christianity the way in the early days of the church. And the reason they called it the way is because it gives clear directions how to spend eternity with God. 
and how not to miss God in the circumstances of life. This involves money, involves morals, involves uh, personality, involves all of these things. So this is why Jesus Christ is called uh, in the Bible the chief cornerstone. This is what the old Methodist preacher is. He pointed that bony finger at me. Young man, preach Jesus. He is bringing to light this truth that if you're wrong about Jesus, you're wrong everywhere. How many of you have ever heard of the, uh, the name, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? You ever heard that? Well, I'm getting good. So the, the Mormon's been busy over here. It's neither Christian nor is it the truth. It's a deception written by a crazy man, by Joseph Smith. Uh, but the momentum of the movement curses people all over the world, hardly a land where they're not evangelizing. How many of you heard the, uh, the name Christian Science? They're neither Christian, neither, nor are they scientific. Christian Science is like grape nuts flakes. Grape nuts flakes is a cereal that doesn't have grapes nor nuts either one. So let's lock our minds in here for a minute because what we're dealing with is eternal life. When we leave this life, we're either going into hell or we're going into heaven with Jesus, one or the other. And there are people that I know that I used to pastor in this church and they're no longer here. They're dead. I would wish that they were all in heaven, but it depends on whether they made a right reference point to Jesus Christ. When I ended the crusade last night, I gave an invitation to people. I said, some of you are bound by sin. You pillow your head every night in guilt and shame, tormented by your action. And several people walked out, came forward to pray a sinner's prayer. And some of them are born again this morning. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? You can have that, but some of you perhaps do not have that. I do not know these people who are here, but I'm preaching the gospel. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. No one's moving around for a moment as we draw this to a conclusion. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.